Savage CBD strives to help people by offering top quality, lab-tested, natural CBD at affordable pricing. And it really is affordable. Whether you're new to CBD or have been using it for years, you can always count on all-natural, hemp-derived CBD with the purest ingredients. Savage CBD carefully tests each batch to ensure quality, consistency, taste, and authenticity. They pride themselves on their transparency and believe that you should know exactly what goes into your favorite CBD products. With Savage CBD, you can choose from a range of premium CBD lotions, creams, tinctures, gummies, and so much more. When you look at their website, there are thousands of happy customers who've reported incredible results after using CBD to supplement their daily routine. Overall, Savage CBD's goal is to create the products that empower you to maintain your balanced lifestyle. Whether you need some extra shut-eye at night or you need to find some more calm throughout your day, you can count on Savage CBD to help you reach that goal. And guys, just for listening to this podcast, you can save 20% on your first purchase of CBD when you use our code BRAD20. So go ahead, my friends, start your CBD journey with Savage, and they'll be there to support you with every step of the way. Simply visit SavageCBD.com to redeem 20% off your first purchase of CBD by using code BRAD20 and see why thousands of people are using CBD. Now, Kelly, I've been a CBD user for a little while. I use it when I'm out on the disc golf course. It helps me relax. It's great with muscle aches and pains, and it's really kind of replaced ibuprofen for me. So uh, anybody that's listening to this, guys, check out Savage CBD. We thank them for being a supporter of the Noel Family Foundation, the Bradley's House podcast, and we hope you'll support them as well. Hey, this is Ted from Pacifier, and you're listening to the Bradley's House podcast. Okay, guys. Obviously, as you know, that we're putting this podcast together as we are raising funds to get Bradley's house up and open. And one of the ways that we do that is through amazing sponsors and partnerships here at the Bradley's House podcast. And today is no exception. I wanted to introduce you guys to another amazing sponsor and friend of the Noel Family Foundation. And that's our friends over at Jerome's Furniture. And Jerome's Furniture getting involved in this was more than just helping out, it was something that was a little personal to Executive Vice President Scott Perry, who is with us today. Scott, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How you doing, Jarrett? Wonderful, wonderful. Now, Scott, I had reached out to you uh, about a, a potential partnership with uh, Bradley's House Podcast on behalf of Jerome's, and I was actually a, a little blindsided when I found out that you had some personal experience with the uh, sublime scene and Bradley. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. We we had a lot of mutual friends, and we were part of the same friend group um, and had a lot of great memories together. Now, I will say that it's – I always get a little jealous when I'm in this kind of uh, – this trio here because you and Kelly were both fortunate enough to see – those early Sublime shows. In fact, you had mentioned to me, Scott, that you were at like Sublime backyard party shows, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we had backyard parties kind of on a regular basis. It seems like at least once a month, twice a month, we were at someone's house or the bowling alley um, in Long Beach. There's, there was also a bowling alley in Westminster that was close to kind of one of the houses that we lived in when we were all in college. So it was, it was kind of a regular thing. Um, you know, and, and we, we loved the band and we loved the guys, you know, and it was just like, you know, Hey, your friends are playing in your backyard kind of thing. And, and, it, you know, always drew like a nice little crowd and, 
we had a blast, you know, we were Did, young and dumb and adventurous and how many kinda, of those parties got shut down by the cops before they were done? Some of them did. Some of them didn't. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we had yeah. one party. We had a party in Huntington Beach at my friend Bill Connery's house, and it literally got shut down after the first song. Oh, no. Yeah. And then and then they started playing again. And, and halfway through the song, the cops were there again. So that was that one was kind of a bust. But the one in my backyard in Westminster uh, at my 21st birthday party, that one went all night. You know, it was beautiful. No, no police, no drama. It was just a bunch of good friends hanging out, listening to music, you know, drinking a few beers. And it was you know, great memories of that night. Now, for anybody that's listening, all of our diehard fans, don't worry. The very first conversation I had with Scott, he said, yeah, I, I would love to get involved. Jerome's would love to support. I knew Brad. He played at my 21st birthday party. He played at a Halloween show. And I went, whoa, Scott, anyone got footage from these shows? <laughs> I wish. Um, and, and he said no. So just for all the comments and the emails that are going to come in, there, there's no footage. Although I think, Scott, you, see, you did say you remembered seeing somebody with like the giant camcorder at one yeah, of there, those yeah, shows, we had a, right? Yeah, there was one of the shows, um, and it was at Bogarts mm, in, in Long Bogarts. Beach. And that was a show that um, HR from Bad Brains was there. And, uh -huh. and then they did like a collaboration. And I was in the sound booth with Dave Shea um, from the band Shave. And we were mm -hmm. kind of, you know, working the lights and the sound. And somebody in the crowd had one of those giant VHS tape you know uh camcorders from back in the day where it probably weighed like 40 pounds sitting on mm. this guy's shoulder and he was filming the whole thing but i've never seen that footage surface and maybe it it's not even you know out there but someone someone got that and that was a great night we had a lot of fun at bogart there was a few epic shows there that's a great venue yeah Man, some guy taped over that show with his kid's Little League game, and he has no idea what he did. Yeah. Somewhere somewhere out there, somebody's got, like, great footage, and they just don't know it. Or hopefully, it, maybe it's in some storage unit, and there's going to be some TV show where they bought the storage unit for 10 bucks, and someone's going to pop that tape in a VHS and, and find gold. But There you um, go. Anyway, we'll see. Ah, oh, my gosh, just to think about it. Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing to be able to chat with you and, and you know, to find out that, yeah, I, I would love to get Jerome's included. And this is the reason why, you know, Brad and those guys were were friends and we, we kind of hung around the same circle. And, um, you know, just to know that you were able to be there for, for some of those early shows. I think you even said that Brad volunteered to, to play one of your parties, which, you know, hey, makes sense. You got a party going on? Well, guess what you need? My band <laughs> yeah. there. You need our band in the backyard. Right. Yeah. Who's always happy yeah. for an excuse to play. Oh yeah, yeah. T turns out you got an audience, Scott, and we would like to we would like to be in front of that. So um, I'm sure that that worked out awesome as well. Do you do you remember watching any of those early shows? And and I ask people this, and I don't mean to put them on the spot because it's it's a difficult thing to say. But I mean, did did you know that there was something special going on musically there at the time? To be honest with you, I I loved the music. Um, you know, I had the first tape and, you know, I, I really, I listened to it all the time. Um, I was more into at the time, heavy metal. Um, so 
to, to me, it was like, hey, it's my buddy's band it, and, and a bunch of friends. I didn't really have that, oh, my God, this, they're going to be huge someday. I didn't have that, but I loved the music, you know, and I would play it for anyone who would listen to it. So I, I, I don't know. I guess that's maybe not the no, best that's, answer. No, that's fair. That's pretty no, typical. That's... Yeah, that's pretty typical. I mean, it was just like, hey, it's, you know, it's Brad and Bud and Eric, you know, and Miguel. And, and that was just kind of it, you know. Um, so it was just, just different. It's, it's hard to imagine. I mean, just, you know, look at any of your current friend groups and think, you know, is, is one of these guys going to be in some big band? You just never really know. We were just hanging yeah. out with friends, really. No, I appreciate that answer. You know, I, I, I appreciate that answer more than hearing like, oh, yeah, no, I knew. I knew the second he was standing <laughs> no, in my backyard, like, 20 million souls. Honestly, one, one thing that it souls. did do for me is it kind of broadened my my musical horizons and tastes. Nice. At the time, I was really into Metallica, Judas Priest, and Scorpions, and Iron Maiden, all these heavy metal bands. And, you know, their music really just kind of, you know, opened my ears, I guess, to to other genres and, and music. And it kind of expanded my tastes a little bit. So I appreciated that. That's awesome. I hear that a lot. I think I think that Brad would be super stoked to know that that his music has done that for so many people over the years. Yeah, it definitely did for me. I mean, it it you know, I was into punk before. I mean, I remember you know, Eric would bring up some punk band every once in a while that we'd listen to and, and Youth Brigade we were kind of into. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, I don't know. It was, a, it was a good time. It's so cool hearing that, just like you said, Kelly, I can't tell you how many uh, guests we've had on that have said, oh, God, because of Brad, I, you know, opened me up to a whole new world of music, including, Scott, you just mentioned Eric. We had Eric on the podcast, and he was like, yeah, I knew nothing about reggae music. I didn't even like reggae music. I just wanted to be in a punk band, and Brad... Brad kind of brought reggae into my life and made me realize, you know, how awesome it was. So uh, I, I think it's really cool to hear that. When when you see, when you're walking through the mall and you see the Sublime Sun or you turn on your radio and you hear, you know, Santa Ria or What I Got or one of their hits, what's a memory that, that flashes to you? Do you have a specific memory of, of Brad, Bud, and Eric seeing them play? Is there something that kind of sticks out nostalgic-wise when you see that or hear that music? And I think nostalgically, um, it brings back memories of, of some times that we went out to the middle of the desert um, and you know brought a generator and amplifiers, and we kind of had like a, this camp-out night and there was a good amount of people, probably like, I don't know, 75, 80 people. And all I remember is driving through, you know, these canyons that your car, I felt like I was going to hit the walls of this canyon. You would like look straight up and you're like 10, 20, you know, stories tall rocks. And then it would like open up into this giant opening. And um, it reminds me of, of those kinds of memories, you mm. know, just, you know, that's the one I really think of a lot because we went out there a couple times and and that was a lot of fun, but I don't know. I think it brings back, um, you know, brings back a lot of just good, warm memories, you know, I mean, not, not everything was positive uh, around the situations, but, um, but I, I always remember the good times, you know, so 
I don't know. There's, there's a lot of memories I could uh, think up, but that's, that's a big one is just those desert trips. Those were a lot of fun, you know, and then the weenie roast, I mean, the weenie roast Mm -hmm. was just, you know, the weenie roast was crazy and they were, (laughs) they were complete nut jobs to where like, it was almost embarrassing, (laughs) you know, but we were just kids having fun. So like, what are you going to do? You know? And um, I don't know that whenever I hear the songs, I, I think of, I think of really fond memories of just hanging out with my buddies. You know, that's ah, awesome. That's, yeah. The weenie roast is the famous uh, K rock gave them like five backstage passes and uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Miguel, Miguel headed over to Kinko's and turned five into like 150 and had, had the whole long beach crew back there. And, I'm sure there was dogs running around biting people and uh, <laughs> I can I can only I can only I can only imagine uh, all of that and uh, you know it's it's amazing that you're here to tell the stories and that you still remember some Believe of them, it or not so. I still have the t-shirt. Nice. I still have the t-shirt in my closet. Oh that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, another another memory that kind of comes to mind when I hear their music is is me and Dave Shea. Dave Shea's a really good buddy of mine, um, and he was in the band Shave. And when he when we were both at Long Beach State, he was the concert director for the university. So we had Sublime, you know, hooking up our buddies and like giving them like a check to play in front of the bookstore, you know, and memories of me and Dave kind of making flyers in my parents' house, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just, you know, those, those cool old flyers. And he's, I went over to his house to hang out. He had a party um, with a band in the garage playing punk, of course. And inside of his house, he's got like some of the old flyers from back in the day. And it really just really brought back those memories of us just sitting there sketching these things out and then posting them around campus. Um. And it, That's cool that he still has them. Yeah, I know. And he still has some of them, which is nice. really neat. And some of them, like I hadn't seen them in 30 years. Wow. And so when I went over there a few months ago, I was like, damn, you still got these. <laughs> right on. <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, we're going to need some pictures of those. <laughs> I do have pictures of them. Because when I was Good. there, I was, I was like fanboy taking all these pictures. Yeah, now I'm going to fanboy and ask you to send me some of those because I'd like to I'd like to check some of those out at some point. So, Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to. Awesome. Awesome. I will go ahead and, and share those in our Bradley's House group on Facebook. Scott, it, uh, it, it means so much to us. I, I know you know what we're doing here with Bradley's House. And uh, and the work that Kelly and everybody's been doing at the Noel Family Foundation to try to get Bradley's house up and open. It's going to be a six-bed recovery facility uh, for musicians struggling with addiction. Now, we talk about this a lot. I'm not talking about the big-name musicians. Uh, those guys can afford to go off to Malibu or wherever they want to go. Um, this is going to be for the, for the musicians kind of like Brad, who are sleeping in the van, heading to the next show, trying to figure out how they were going to get gas to get onto the next city, um, let alone figure out how to pay for their recovery. Uh, the Knoll Family Foundation is going to be providing that 
free of charge to these musicians to help them get that music-based recovery. So to be able to have Jerome's Furniture uh, included in this is uh, something that we are extremely grateful for. And uh, I can't can't thank you enough. And I know when I told Kelly that you guys were involved, it it was something that she was very excited about. Um, Tell us a little bit about Jerome's. What do you do over there? What do you guys got going on? How can our listeners find you? Um, and anybody that's looking for any furniture in your area, obviously support our sponsors. Well, Jerome's is happy to, to, to be a part of this. Honestly, um, it was really like a no brainer. It's a family owned business that's been around since 1954. Um, you know, we, we like to support charitable causes where, where we can. And, and this was an, this was an easy decision for us as a business to support something so positive and, and helping people, you know, recover from, from addiction that need help and having a place to go. I just, I think that's gold, you know, that, that personally touches me, you know, um, fortunately I, I really wasn't, I had moved to Northern California when Bradley was, was in his struggle. Um, so I didn't have to really pay too much, you know, too much witness to that. I didn't have to see a lot of that Mm -hmm. happen. And I'm pretty grateful for that because my memories yeah. are all pretty positive. But, you know, addiction is just it's it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Um, and, and people fall into it. And so to have a place to go um, with six beds in there, I mean, that I mean, how could I say no to that? You know, I've seen I've, I've seen a lot of people recover and go on to live like amazing, fantastic lives mm-hmm. and, and get kind of a, you know, um, a guide to living, you know, a clean and sober life. Uh, I have a friend in, in Connecticut and his name is TJ. And I've watched this guy help so many people with like opiate addictions and to see the lights come on in someone's eyes mm. and then to see them, you know, years later, like living their best life. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm all for supporting that, you know, and, and I'd like to, to offer up, you know, Jerome's mattresses in, in all of the six beds too, as well. That wanna, is so incredible. I want to make sure we can, we can be there to, to help people out. Um, and if people want to support us as a business, that's great. If they don't, that's fine too. If they want to, they can just go to jeromes.com and, and check out, you know, all of our furniture. It's a, you know, support local, support your local businesses. We're born and raised in Southern California, San Diego, and and now like all of Los Angeles, Orange County, we have 24 locations. Um, but you, you know, all it, over Southern California, all over Southern California, yeah. you know, and we, we also shipped to Nevada and Arizona and, and pretty right. soon all over the country. You know, my specific role at Jerome's is I'm in charge of everything digital. So the website, advertising, marketing, YouTube, social networking, email marketing, all that the, the app, uh, all that stuff kind of falls under my plate. And I love what I do and I'm, I'm lucky to get paid to do it. It's a lot of fun, but you know, when you reached out, Jarrett, it was, it was really a no brainer. Like we're going to do this. We're going to help out um, both just from a personal connection. And also just cause you know, I feel like it's the right thing to do, you know? And, and if you can help some people get sober through Bradley's house, I mean, That'll put a gigantic smile on my face. Love to see that happen. 
We are so grateful for your support. Um, I mentioned at the last board meeting your offer to supply the beds for the house, and, and everyone just thought that was amazing. And everyone knew Jerome's, as of course all our board members are from Southern California. You guys have a great name, not only in the business, but in the community. So we're, we're especially honored to have you guys partner with us. So thank you. Happy to help. Um, you know, Jerome's is a, is a pretty generous business. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that we do behind the scenes to help people, um, you know, you know women in need of shelter or to escape a bad situation mm-hmm. or just a family that needs help. Sometimes we'll get a call and a lot of that stuff doesn't get, it's not public, right? but I'm on the side of it to be able to kind of see the Navarra family really do the right thing in the community. And it's, um, it's a pleasure working for a business like that. Cause not so refreshing. like that. Yeah. So refreshing. Yeah. I know that when we, when we initially spoke, um, and you were like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I would love to get included and, you know, you had offered up when, uh, the house gets open that, you, you know, the, the mattresses that you guys wanted to go ahead and provide those. Uh, it was just amazing. And I said, you know, I'd love to have you come on the podcast and chat and talk a little bit about sublime. And you were like, man, that's not even necessary. We just want to help out. And I'm like, but, but no, I want you to come on. And <laughs> so you saw them in your come backyard. You know, we want to talk about that too. So uh, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of had to twist your arm a little bit. So I thank you for coming on and, and kind of joining us and sharing your experience with, uh, with, with seeing Sublime uh, in the early days and knowing Brad, Bud, and Eric, and being able to hang around those guys. And now it all comes full circle that you're in the position to help this uh, amazing cause, and it, it means so much to us. And I hope that it means as much to the listeners who are also very supportive of the foundation. And, um, you know, we ask that you guys support the people that help support us. So if you're in any of those areas, uh, make sure you're checking out Jerome's. If you know somebody that's looking for some furniture, make sure you let them know about Jerome's. It it goes a long way. You guys help support the people that help support us. They can support us more. We can help people get recovered. And uh, it's just all an awesome, an awesome circle of life that, that comes together. So Scott, I can't can't thank you and uh, and your team over at Jerome's enough for for being involved in this. Well, I'd like to thank you and Kelly too, just and, and, and the Noel family, just for you know having the idea to to have a place like this. I mean, that's that's fantastic. You know, it makes Absolutely. me happy that 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 that's even happening. Well, thank you so much, Scott. And of course, everybody who is not in the area can check out Jerome's.com and see what you guys have going on on your website as well. All right. Thank you. Yeah. You guys can go ahead and check. Anna's going to go ahead and put it right in the description right there underneath. Uh, you guys can go ahead and click on Jerome's. We're going to link it in the description of all of these shows and you'll be able to, uh, to click over there and check them out too. So Scott, thank you very much. And, uh, and please share our gratitude with the rest of the team over at Jerome's that we haven't had the pleasure of speaking with. All right. You got it. I will do. Hey guys, welcome. Come on in. Make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I'm your co-host, Jared Orr. She 
is the executive director of the Knoll Family Foundation and the one with the mic control, our host, Kelly Knoll. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm fabulous. How are you doing, Jarrett? I'm uh, I'm better than I deserve, Kelly. I'm sure of it. But <laughs> I'm sure uh, of it too. <laughs> yeah, I won't I won't complain about it at all. Um, excited oh. to get a uh, another new episode out for all of our listeners, guys. We appreciate all the love. Keep commenting, liking, and sharing. Kelly, we get to have so many different guests on here. It's one of the things that I really love about doing this podcast. One week, we're talking to a board member from the foundation, a guy like Ken Denson, and he's giving us these awesome recovery stories. And then we've got Marshall Goodman telling some crazy sublime stories. But honestly, some of my favorite guests so far have been some of the incredible musicians that contributed to the compilation CD, uh, The House That Bradley Built. Kelly, who's our house guest today? I am so just thrilled to have with us today, as you mentioned, an artist who was on the house that Bradley built. You know, it's funny. I make these introductions assuming that it's going to be a surprise, and it never is, because people know when they tune in already who they're going to hear. But anyway, I'm super excited to have with us today musician, writer, producer, and Southern California native, Ian Young. Ian, thank you so much for being with us. Welcome, man. Yeah, I'm, gr- I'm grateful to be with you guys. Thank you for having me. You bet. Now, you're you're in San Diego, right? In the San Diego area? Yep. Yep, I live born in, and raised. Yeah, born and raised in San Diego. I actually live in Imperial Beach, which is on the border of Mexico and the Pacific Ocean. So I can see Tijuana right here from my backyard. And nice. yeah, we're we're in the corner of the U.S. I love my city. Yeah. You know, I think it was Imperial Beach um, years ago when I was like a teenager. My boyfriend took me down there to go horseback riding on the beach for my birthday. Yeah. And, yeah. um, it was so beautiful and the horses were great, except that they got so excited on the way back that they just kept running the whole way. <laughs> That's all I remember <laughs> about it. I remember the beauty of horseback riding on the beach and then they were just like bolting back as soon as we turned around. But yeah, what a gorgeous spot. Very beautiful. We yeah, get a little bit more beautiful. temperate weather than we do up in Orange County in LA. Yeah, we get it. It's, it's, beautiful yeah the weather is always it's sometimes a little cloudy but the weather is mild it's like san diego yeah. weather is like uh, shorts or and a hoodie all year you know what i mean like yeah. that's it like you you could pull that off or you could pull off a tank top like yeah it's very mild exactly yeah, yeah love, that does love, not love my san diego <laughs> does that influence your music the just being in that area being near the beach that kind of thing Definitely. I think it's like a crash of cultures right here. Um, one side we have the, the Mexico right here and a lot of the culture that I grew up with is, um, you know, the Mexican culture all around me from my friends growing up to my family, my now wife. Um, and yeah, the Mexican culture has been huge on, on me. And then uh, I think San Diego is like a hub for, um, you know, Polynesians like uh, Hawaiians and things coming through here. So I feel like there's a big, um, poly community, which is also a fix. Yeah, every, all that I brought up, but how I was brought up, but yeah, it's, it's a blessing. People are always asking me, like, what's your accent? What, what's going on with you? Well, then <laughs> I'm, I'm like a mesh too, because I got this, this Jamaican influence too, like just, just from me falling in love with reggae music at a young age. So and backing up, uh, I backed like 20 to 50 Jamaican artists growing up. Since I was young, so wow. and then you put the Jamaican thing in there and the Patchwork kind of Rasta thing in there, and now it's just a mess. People are like, "Where are you from?" Like, 
<laughs> you, you look, you look like like you're from somewhere else. You sound different, you know. But yeah, I'm just yeah, white white boy from Dago, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That was one of the things that Brad always loved about Long Beach was all the different cultures, and you know, so you just get such a mix of flavors in in everything, and uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's what I saw. I, but right away, I, I saw that in Sublime's music, you know? I was like, oh, he's from where yeah. I'm from. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I was a, I was a young kid, but it's still, still I, I knew it growing up, you know? I was like maybe 12 or 13 years old, and and yeah, and I, I heard that all over it, and I was like, whoa, this guy's, yeah, he's, wow. he's like me. And he had the, Is that when you-, you know, he had the, the Jamaican influence, too. Like the Mexican, yes. the Southern California, the Jamaican. Yep. The, yeah, the the exactly. Rasta culture in there, everything in there. So, uh-huh. yeah, it, it and the Hawaiian culture as well, because we yeah, have a bunch yeah. of family that have been over there for, I don't know, 60 years or something. So, yeah, yeah exactly. small world. So when did you start playing music? I started playing music when I was five. My oh, parents, my. Yeah, my parents got me, wanted me to play piano. So they got me a little keyboard and started me lessons when right when I was five. I think I might have even been four, but um yeah, and then by the time I was like seven or eight, they bought me a little upright ceramic that I still have here in my studio piano. Oh um, yeah. I've been playing piano since that's original instrument. Yeah, so music has always been a part of my life and it's been quite the blessing, you know, now it's like um, my everything, you know, like my work and my yeah. passion and my, yeah, it's just, just, it's wonderful how this all turned out in my life. It's pretty crazy. Are your parents really musical or it was just something that they wanted for you? Yeah, I think they were just fans of music. They didn't yeah. play instruments or sing at all. Um, I think they just wanted me to do, like, you know, just raising a kid, just saying, hey, I want you to play piano. I want you to do something, you know, so I also played sports and did all kinds of stuff, but um, yeah, piano was the one that I always felt like was mine, you know, it was like music mm-hmm. was mine, like it wasn't anyone else's, it was like my thing, so I, that's why I kept coming back to it. For sure. What sports yeah. did you play? Uh, I grew up playing baseball, the young age, t-ball, and then all the way through, and, um... You play Little League? Fo- yeah, football, soccer, the mm-hmm. whole thing. Oh yeah, my goodness. Like my, my, my dad was a... Olympic athlete. He's he was a police officer, but he qualified for the Olympics. I forget, like nineteen eighty eighty, I think, or wow. eighty one. And yeah, so doing the decathlon, and then so he's a big sports guy. So after that, he gave it up and became a cop. And so wow, uh, yeah. So he was always pushing me to do sports. So did a lot of sports too, which was awesome. Both of those are very impressive. Olympic athlete and a police officer. Pretty badass stuff, right there. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Was he in, uh, on the police force down in San Diego? Yeah, in Chula Vista, where I grew up. So oh, I grew yeah. up uh, just a little uh, inland from here. Yeah. Uh, in, Chula, in Chula Vista. And yeah, he was a cop there for like 20, 30 years and then went downtown. Now he's retired. Wow. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Chula Vista is where we grew up. And uh, when I had a chance to move out and get my own home, I was like, I'm going straight to the beach. So I like literally... Yeah. Parallel from <laughs> from from like inland, just go straight to the yeah. beach, and that's where I live. You just yeah. walked west, and that's where you ended up. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> and you played drums, also, right? Yeah, I started playing drums when I I broke my arm playing football. I think oh, I was in sixth grade, twelve years old, and 
I broke my arm. Compound fracture was pretty bad. Like the bone came out. Everything was gnarly. Oh, oh, oh. um, Yeah. That that was around the time that I, um, yeah, started getting into music too. I think drums. But the doctor said I needed something to more active than piano to heal my hand. So my dad played Mm. drums when he was younger a little bit. So he got got drum set, and then it was over. Like after that, it was like the all the theory that I had from classically trained piano and then mm-hmm. meet with like the punk rock and uh, everything that I liked at 12 and 13. Um, so mm-hmm. like a- hours on a drum kit, just, yeah, but wow. putting the music all the way up. Um, some of my earliest, yeah, my earliest memories of, of Sublime was playing the music, blasting it and just sitting in my garage playing, playing over and over and over. And yeah, one of those songs was Pawn Shop and I would literally <laughs> just repeat it. And so that's why that's why I chose that song for the compilation. But yeah, um, yeah. So drums was a huge uh, influence. I feel like it's the bat the the backbone of all music, you know. And once I found the rhythm and it comboed with with uh, melodic, th- you know, theory type stuff, yeah. it was it yeah. was on. Like I love music. I started getting into punk rock and reggae heavily, and um, yeah, it was yeah quite the blessing. Your neighbors must have loved you. <laughs> yeah, man, we we used to crank up. Yeah, I was like the you know the garage is not soundproof at all. So at first, my dad had his drum set in his bedroom, which is crazy. They had kind of like he did a room addition, had a bigger bedroom. So he's like, yeah, let me put the drums in my bedroom. That was a, that was a bad idea because I was in there every day playing, and he had no bedroom anymore. It became, it became me playing. Right. So, so yeah, we moved to the garage, and then yeah, the neighbors and all that. But yeah. I just kept cranking it up. Um, so yeah, we, they, all of them, all of them loved it though. Everyone was cool with music, you know. They would hear me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's good. What kind of bands were you listening to growing up? Um, early on, I really liked um, punk rock, like Pennywise and mm. No Fix and Sublime, and yeah. yeah and uh, I got my first reggae tape when I was when I was 13 and uh, yeah at that point I started I didn't really know about reggae and I got my first one with a very eclectic tape with like Don Carlos and um, I think it was the first song with Belly Hole by Bob mm. and, and uh, more than that it, and so it was a stacked up tape and it really taught me the culture and right away I was hooked on reggae music, so um, it became like my mission after that, just to look for the more rare tunes and the um, like seeking after that first experience I had with that tape. And um, so yeah, so I was like a, I was playing punk rock. I was, um, you know, growing up listening to. Uh, I'm sorry. What was? I'm totally having brain fire. What was Gwen's band's name? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like growing up <laughs> listening to No Doubt, playing drums to that to to albums like that and No Effects, Pennywise, like the more hardcore stuff. Yeah, I liked all that. Yeah. And I was also bumping Rasta too and loving reggae and Sublime and uh so I started to as I got older I started playing no one played reggae, so everyone played punk rock. So Right. I I in high school I just started drumming for punk bands and that was a lot of fun and everything. But I would be the guy like Smoking a joint on the way to punk practice and bumping loops and <laughs> wanting to play reggae, like trying to teach a metal guitarist to play, you know, chick, chick, 
you know yeah. I, was to, I was I was that guy you know and no one ever wanted to, to do it they're like yeah but anyways that was, that was me at, at like 15 you know 15 16 um yeah and then it kept evolving and then I finally found some players to play and I started playing keyboard more because there wasn't really reggae uh keyboardists in reggae I mean, yeah like more guitarists and drummers and things so I went back to the keys well I always played keys the whole time but yeah so music's Music has been, uh, yeah, it's been beautiful and beautiful. That's awesome. I love hearing about the progression of the sounds. It was, I think Brad discovered reggae kind of a similar age as you. I'd probably around 11 or 12, but uh, yeah, it was the same thing. It kind of took root inside him and, you know, became something that he was, he was really interested in. And I just think there's something about that sound that, that vibes really well with Southern California. Anything yeah, I, think a, I think it's a spiritual aspect too, because mm. you could feel like the suffering and the the wanting equality and wanting like this spiritual, this good, this foundation of like good versus mm-hmm. evil. You know, like you can feel all that in music. Yeah, you yeah. feel that, and and I think he connected with that too, because what comes through his music is, is that type thing too. You know, and I feel that um, yeah, that Ross has been a huge influence on my life in general. Um, all the teachings that come through the reggae music and everything, it's been, it's been really positive for the world, I feel like. And, um, and now to see where it's influenced, like, the future generations, you know, three, four generations past where it originally came from, Jamaica. Like, it's, yeah, it's that, it, it's just been, I think it's been, uh, a, a real light in the world. And, yeah, Brad Lee saw that at a young age too, and he felt that. I, mm-hmm. I, I heard that, and that's why I was like, oh, he's like me. Like, he, yeah. 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 Well, get you know, that, yeah. And and being a drummer, obviously the reggae sound is so much from the, the percussions. Um mm-hmm. and it really is kind of like the like you said, the backbone of it. And when I was in Jamaica actually, um I did a tour of where Bob Marley grew up and the tour guide was talking about the the start of reggae music and the legend has it in Jamaica that it reggae music came about because of an incredibly, incredibly hot summer um, that was there like in the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, and it was so hot that the drummers uh, weren't able to play at the speed for the ska music that they were used mm. to playing at. Um, and they all came down a tempo or two. And that's where the reggae sound developed from, from it being so damn hot that the drummers just couldn't keep the pace what? on the ska music. Is that and true, or is that just that, something the tour guide told you? I, that's what that's what the that's what the rumor is. That's where it came wow. from. Was from this incredibly hot summer that they had there, and all the drummers just weren't able to. They just weren't able to keep up that that pace and that speed. So they all took it down, and that's mm-hmm. where the reggae sound came from. That's so cool because it's a, an example of something beautiful coming out of an adversity. You know, something difficult, some struggle. Kind of like, you know, everything that we just came through, well, are still going through with COVID and all that. I think there's some really beautiful things that have come out of that. You know, it's made people think differently and look at the world differently and and create differently. So hopefully we'll see a lot of that as a result of that as well. So when did you start performing? You you had your first band. How old were you? I was 15. Oh, my goodness. um, Started playing just in the backyard and... At high school, we're doing lunch and things like that. <clears throat> yeah, we started, we, we cut our first demo and then started 
printing CDs and hustling around high school. Um, but yeah, it was it was like punk type, you know, punk rock type music. <clears throat> and like I said, I wanted I wanted to get into reggae, so um, I continued um, my journey and I landed with a, a local band called Stranger. Yes. And they had, yeah, they had been playing for one year. And then I joined and started playing keys with them. And yeah, that was like a really like lifelong friendship, you know, type band. Like your first band when you really do, do things, you know what I mean? Sell out. Yeah. And, and like bring people. So it was, it was a good thing. I was with them for 11 years. We went to oh, Hawaii wow. like four times. We went to Guam and toured and <clears throat> we, yeah, jumped on a few little like West Coast tours, but. But yeah, um, so that was that was a huge influence on my life, and you know, has been my foundation. So guys. I also, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, I think I just missed you. The first time I saw Stranger was in, I think, twenty fifteen. I yeah, took my boys. Yeah, to steam at the Constellation. Oh my gosh, they were so good. Yeah, I just love yeah, that band. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, so just missed me. I left in twenty eleven because I released uh, my. My first solo record in 2010, and then, um, yeah, they didn't like it too much. They got real upset a lot of things. So, <laughs> and I was like, I'm like a pusher. I'm like an entrepreneur, very driven and pushing. So, um, yeah, they they didn't like it too much, and <clears throat> they're like, maybe you should just go your own way. And I was like, cool. Every with when every ever a door closes, another one opens. So yeah, absolutely. It, it basically, it just continued and basically launched my career from then. So that was that was. Um, yeah, the whole thing of, of releasing. A lot of things happen. They always, in life, you see, things can seem negative at the time, but then, like, you pass some years and you look back and you're like, oh, that's exactly what I had to do. Yeah, so, um, so true. So, yeah, that, that happened for me. Like, I think I got fired for a job from a job, which is why I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go full force on my new album that I already have, like, five songs written. I'm gonna do it. And release that, and like the rest is history. That was the the launching point for my label. Now we have 140 releases, and wow! And for all the bands I've been in and produced, I've produced like over 850 songs. What? And um, yeah, and did um, you say 850? A, yeah, there's a Spotify playlist um, on my Spotify page that's uh, 850 songs that I produced. There's yeah, it's growing <laughs> too, so I'm like not right, I- on it. So yeah. From 2010, when I released my album, that's when I became a producer. That's when um, Travel Seeds hit me up and other people hit me up because they wanted that's the sound of my first record. So, um, well, what got you into producing? Um, I when I was going through that musical journey, playing with all these bands, like I said, I couldn't find um, the people to play reggae kind of style when I was at like 16, 17, and I knew I wanted to get into music further and do like very driven, you know, I wanted to understand more the recording process. I would always like hook up the home stereos at my house and like tweak everything and twist it and know what every knob does. And, um, to me that, that like, I wanted to explore that, you know? So mm. I hit him. I saw in a magazine that they were doing internships at this studio in San Diego. And I asked my dad and <clears throat> he said, he like, he said, I don't know if I can do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was like a, basically they, you work at this, 
you work as an intern at a studio, and then there's classes on the side that that you take and you study oh. at the same time. So it's like a it was a program type thing. So um, he's like, I don't know how to do that. He asked my I I asked my grandfather. My grandfather was like, Yep, yeah, let's do that. And then um, so I got into this internship, and it was huge. Like I learned everything my foundation at seventeen. So and they wow. also gave me the studio at times to be like record whatever you want. You can do whatever you want for a, for a couple hours. Like no one's in here. So I my first recordings were there, and uh, where I played drums, and I brought in my little keyboard and played that. Before I was really singing, <clears throat> I started singing a little later. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so at, I was hooked at that point. And then in community college, as I met stranger and everything, I was studying um, their audio program and got my degree in that. And then it was always kind of with me, like before it was kind of before computers and music. Um, right. It was right at that cusp when you know two thousand one when computers and music were. We're starting, computers were starting to be more common and then recording, you know, with them was, <clears throat> that was a rare thing, but it was, it was becoming more popular. And then at that time, so I, I started to record Stranger a bit. We started experimenting a little bit. And then, yeah, once I got my first recording set up, which was a few years later, um, it was on. Before that, I was recording actually on my Motif compute, my Motif keyboard. Um, oh, the one, the one that I, you can see whenever you look me up online, I'm playing this keyboard, but there was one of the first mm-hmm. keyboards that did sampling where you could record your voice into it. So I was mm-hmm. producing full tracks before I got a computer onto this keyboard and that was during wow. like those gap years. So yeah, that was a huge lesson for me because I wrote like first half of my first record and, um, was just making it happen on this little keyboard. It was awesome. And then, um, and then once I got a computer, it was on and just like sharpening the sword. And then by the time I released my first record, um, I was, uh, I did some heavy work on my first record. So I learned a lot and I got to the point where it's like, I can do this. And then, um, started to, yeah, get, I was organically just got hit up, um, by, by artists and wanting the same kind of sound. And it was like nonstop since. Yeah, since 2010, that's where you get that 850 plus. So number. since that's just since 2010, in the last 11 years, you produced 850 songs. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Brag right. a little. You know, who are, who are I some know, of the bands right? That you produced. Um, you can look them up. I want to tell you some good, uh, some some factual stuff, but you can look it up on my um, playlist on my Spotify. It's 850, but yeah, bands like. Pepper, Tribal Seeds, um, the last Ayaterra record we're working on, K-Bomb, mm. um, features from Slightly Stupid, from Reb, Revolution, from... Uh, oh, so nobody we would really know then. No, like, <laughs> yeah, like all of, I, I've worked literally with like almost everyone. It's, it's been wild, honestly. Wow. It's been wild. Yeah, it's been such a blessing. And it kind of, and the crazy thing that it took off kind of organically because people were hitting me up and I've never really, even since then, this 11 years, I've never really advertised anything. Mm. Like I've never been like, Hey, the studio's open. We're booking. Like I've done it maybe a few times when times were a little hard and we needed, so I needed some work coming in, but, um, not really very often. So it's been quite a blessing. Like it's crazy. I still trip on it. Yeah. The whole thing, how it wrote out. And at the same time I've been touring like nonstop since, I don't know, 2011. 
with the first wow. tour that I did solo. I was opening for Tribal after we did the Soundways EP, their first album, mm -hmm. or um, the first album I worked with them. Yeah, since then, National Tour 2011, I've been touring since then till now, and um, and producing too. Like, I've been hitting, I've been hitting this wall lately, and I'm like, I am doing too much. Like, I've signed up for too much. I got, I'm like. Mm master of none kind of situation. Yeah. I've been feeling that lately where I just want my life to be more, um, like just tucked in, you know what I mean? Not so like, right. you know, everywhere. Right. Right. Um, All over the place. Now, yeah. Now that I speak about this, I can, he I can hit <laughs> like from what I'm saying out loud, I'm like, this is why obviously it's been so vast. So much has happened. So yeah. Yeah. That's been well, it's cool. It sounds like you just followed every opportunity where it came. And sometimes that can make life, a little chaotic, you know, but it's yeah. just a season. I think it's just seasons, yeah. you know, seasons where you're just super busy running hard and then seasons where you can just kind of take a breath and slow down and reevaluate a little bit. Yeah. And I think everyone goes through that, right? Like absolutely the ups and downs of, of life and the human experience. It never, it, it never strays away from some kind of ups and downs, difficulties, but if you ride yeah. it through, you always end up where it's like, Oh, I see. Or, I'm in a good place. Like this is my highest right. self right here where I'm at now. Yes. Uh, but yesterday I was down or last year I was down or whatever. Mm. Yeah. We're always riding that wave as humans. I feel, you know, so um, I think it's part of the experience. I know it I totally go kind of is. deep, but I feel like that's an important, um, you know, intertwining of every, everything that I've gone through. Absolutely. Do you have no, a preference? Totally oh, I'm sorry, Kelly. I was just wondering if you, if you have a preference, do you, um, find that you have more joy producing other artists or actually writing and performing your own music? I, I enjoy, um, yeah. I mean, obviously you're great at both and you love doing them both, yeah. but in a world where you were forced to pick one, which one would yeah, you go with? I get much more satisfaction because of one simple fact the amount of people that I can touch and change lives or give them a smile or give them a brighter mm. day where that's like a tick in their like life going up. So, um, I can touch more people if I'm recording my own music and performing my, my own music. So that's where right. I feel like I can touch more people. I can put more smiles on faces. I can reason with people through my lyrics and um, that's what we need as humans to reason about things. And if I can flip the page to a positive one and they take from that, I'm hitting a lot of people at one time. Um, so with the producing, it's more in the background of that. It's more in the background. Like I am uh, providing a lane for the artist message that I'm producing for their message, which is usually very positive because a lot of what I'm doing is um, based around reggae music and, and it's real positive, you know, all around. I just feel like that they're, they would get there either way, with or without me. You know what I mean? Um, mm. yeah, I, but I feel like when I <clears throat> record my own music and put, put time into these lyrics and then I go perform them and I'm touching people with this and I'm, I'm showing people, you know, like, I'm being fearless and they can see that they can be fearless for that moment too or get out of let, let their skin go and just relax and shake it off and, or feel the music in a spiritual way where it hits them and it, it, that day they see some light where they're like, whoa. So mm. I feel like that's a important and huge um, thing that I have that I contemplate a lot on, honestly, because 
um, yeah, I do feel that I have a calling in that and I need to uh, kind of put the pedal down more and put it up a gear, you know, a little bit more. And I've done it, I've done it hard. I just, I just feel like I need to, uh, yeah, it's just an important part. I feel it. Like I really feel it from people and the, the comments I've got from people and the, um, just the energy from people. I feel that it's like the very necessary thing. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful to do those works. So hopefully more of that. But yeah, nonstop doing all of it. <laughs> That's awesome. It's got to be so gratifying when you get feedback from people about how your music has impacted them. And um, when I first started hearing that about my brother's music, I just remember thinking, like, obviously, first and foremost, I wish he was here to hear those things and see those things, you know. And mm. But just, just to know that you're a part of not just someone's day, but a part of their life, like you're, you're impacting that moment in time for them. That's really, really powerful. I mean, music is, is incredibly powerful. And so to be able to be a part of that for someone that you don't even know and may never yeah. even meet is really, that's a, that's a big thing. It is, it is, it's, yeah, it's a big thing that, that I've, it has helped me in my life, and I'm sure you guys too, because music is big for all of us humans. And yeah, yeah, and the, the message behind it just really hits sometimes, where it's like, oh, right, this is it. like this is, I need to be, you know, I need to do this, or I need to. This is a way better choice to make this, or to feel this, or to choose this, you know, choose happiness, or mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know. So yeah, that's it's big. So yeah, that's I feel some some serious like life like life work in that like I I need to do this you know what I mean like I'm extremely passionate about it and like when I perform I go hard and I I feel like people see people really it's it's just uh, a way to let loose so people kind of feel it too and they they see someone run around stage and or like you know just doing their thing and it's just um, and then comboed with the message I think it really mm-hmm. helps people to loosen up and have a good day and I, I just hope for more of those times I mean it just and we just did the Mammoth Reggae Fest two weeks ago. Yeah. That was the first time that I that we played since the COVID thing. It's been um, wow over, over 500 days. Oh, uh, I mean, I did some in studio stuff, but live right. with people, and it was incredible. Like I could see it on people's faces. Like I felt it. Like I was almost in tears um, as I'm saying these words that are hitting me. Um, you know, and like like synchronicities and things that are meant to be, and like. Right. I'm seeing people's faces and like the, the human connection is, is so it's strong and it's just, yeah, it was, it was really powerful, um, really magical that day. And there was a lot of people and, and after talking to people, people were just, they're just blown away to have, and it, it, I'm just, it's just working through me, but blown away to have this music live in front of them. It just, it really hits all of us. And yeah, such a blessing. I think one of the the keys for people connecting with your music is that you are so passionate about it and you are so vulnerable about the the connections that are created through the music and um I just think that's a very beautiful thing that that you can recognize not just the power of music but the influence that you have and the um you know the ability to to impact people and to really take that responsibility seriously. And yeah, I, don't you, t- I, don't t- I definitely t- get that from you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now, tell me about your recording studio. When did you start that? So I was recording out of my apartment here in Imperial Beach for, it was like 20, 2000, 
9, 10, 11. And then um, we were looking for a house, but uh, we didn't have too much money at all, my wife and I. We didn't have too much money, and we wanted this huge, this thing where it's like we wanted a house with a back house that was separate from it so I could make right. a studio or a back garage or something. And then she wanted a pool. It was like this... Uh, this dream that was like we 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 can't even qualify for a house but we want all this stuff like what what are we doing but we knew like we just straight manifested it like we would talk we would she was crazy she she found this thing of like writing our goals down every day so we would write 10 goals down every night each wow throw them away or erase them or whatever we did but we would every night we would do it and throw them away and like it was like I want to be on tour full time. I want to produce musicians. I want to play with bands. I want to have a house with a studio. I want, you know, I mean, a record label with this many, like all these specific, you know, 10 different things every night. Yeah. Every night. And like the, the, yeah, the new ones would come like, they were the same thing though. So every day the house one would come up, you know, it was like number one on our list because we want, we were in a small apartment. So we ended up, um, 2012 was like after the 2008 crash and we ended yes. up, um, she found this spot in Imperial beach that had a, had a massive back house, had back garage that this guy used to like, it was a three car garage, but it was bolted, vaulted cause he would pull engines out of the vehicle. Massive uh-huh. pool <gasps> and the pool was amazing. And it was like a two story house. And oh my. she's like, she's like, Hey, there's a short sale. It's a short sale. So, we went and we like jumped the fence, I think the first time <laughs> and went to the back. Yeah. Just to show me cause she was so fired up about it. So oh. we like did it and we went to the back and we opened the garage and we're, my jaw, she said my jaw, my jaw just dropped. It was this massive space. That was and it. I was like, this, I was like, this is it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So anyways, 11 months of falling out of escrow twice, <gasps> and barely, no. ba- barely slipping in. We even had to gamble like 15,000 that we didn't have and. <sighs> And we, it wasn't guaranteed that we were going to get it. Like it was all this crazy. We were Whoa. broke at that time. Like I was broke. Like we didn't have any money. Um, she was still in school and like, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, we ended up clearing and getting this house. And then I started construction maybe like two months after we just like did it. I got a loan for the, the build and we just went huge and, um, yeah, built this, this studio from scratch, Imperial Sound recording studio and built it up it has you see it online um it has three isolation booths and it's two rooms and wow since 20 i uh, 2013 is when january 1st 2013 is when i had the first sessions but yeah since then uh we've done so much in here so like like tribal would rehearse in here i've rehearsed in my with my band for years and we've done so many records like i said the 850 have been mostly done here so and then I'm working mobile a lot too when I'm on the tour buses and everything. But yeah, just this is this has been incredible. It's an incredible place. So grateful. That's fabulous. When yeah, that's awesome. When did you get married? Um, twenty eleven. So a year before. Wow. Wow, what did I tell you about putting guys on the spot asking questions? <laughs> I know, right? No. <laughs> so, and, and when did you meet her? What was the date? Where did you guys have dinner at? So, that's, don't was, worry, dude. We can edit all that out. It's fine. It was a, bree- it was a breezy fall night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's but, um, awesome. 
Yeah, we got married in 2011. It's been amazing. I've been with her for 15 years now. Lorena is her name. And now uh, in 2017, we had our son. And oh. we have our son. His name is Sol. S-O-L. The son in Spanish. Oh, that's beautiful. And yes. Yeah. That's great. Wow. Parenthood changes you, huh? Oh, man. It's been amazing. He's like my teacher. And he's just, he brought us together closer and he's just brought this other joy of this other side of life that we kind of left behind i feel like it's like the youth kind of like you become a kid again you know right. so we have that we have that with us now like i'm doing all this crazy stuff and when i go with him i'm like hey bud like i'm a, I'm a child you know? <laughs> yeah so it's like yeah. i'm playing toys and i'm like jumping off stuff like so yeah it is it's amazing we yeah we took before covid hit in 2019 we took him on a seven week tour in the u.s like national wow tour. he was still in diapers and right. I, reduced, I wanted like because i've been struggling with leaving her and him for a long time obviously that's the road life you know yeah. so um and i never had the opportunity to take anyone because i always had a huge band or with another band to take mm -hmm. them ever so um i saw a lane open up where i was like i just got a new tour bus i built eight bunks on it um, mm. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reduce the size of the band and reduce the people on the bus and then have it available for them to come. Like, I'm just gonna do it for this summer. So I That's reduced awesome. to a three piece, three piece band and I was actually running front of house myself. Like, I would go out on mm. an iPad, run, run it myself. Wow. No crew. I bought, it was four of us. I brought a merch person and us three, which was wow. insanity. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy, but we were doing this wow. small kind of like small clubs and stuff. I felt like I could yeah. handle it, and it was the best experience of my life. Like, they, oh. so she had a she had a flight to Chicago, and that we started in San Diego, and then she was supposed to fly back after a week, and then after six days, um, I she's like, and she was like not wanting to tour she's like no way i don't yeah. have my life i'm not gonna tour you know what i mean and after six sure. days she's like this this is kind of nice like oh. this is kind of nice i think she had all she had a 24 hour like fiasco on the way to the airport like the the flight got got delayed and canceled they put her on another one and uh. that got canceled they sent her home she had to come the next day no so, like, with a, with all that with the toddler yeah yeah oh, with a two-year-old she was like <gasps> she, she's like this bus this is fine like he's with yeah. the ipad she's like playing he, we have his little playpen set up on the on the oh. bus like this is fine like we can do this and he's like this is good i was like so stay so stay please and she's like okay i'll stay and uh and when i want to go i'll go and she stayed the entire time seven weeks we went around wow. the with New York, Chicago, Florida, Tennessee, like all these crazy places. Um, Texas, New Mexico, national, national tour. And, um, it was incredible because I finally, I didn't feel that like gap was missing for me. I know a lot right. of artists feel that, but like, I feel like, uh, I don't know. It, it feels pretty crazy to not have your loves around you on a daily basis. Right. And so, yeah, it was incredible to have my two year old. Like he was come, he had sound check. I was giving him the mic. He was playing melodica. He was, Jumping on the oh. drum set, we would put him with his headphones <laughs> on the drum set and everything. It was incredible. It was it was oh. really great. There's yeah, what's there's there's got to be something here, dude. Do you like not return your shopping cart at the store, or you change lanes without <laughs> using a signal? Too perfect, because right? You just sound like this perfect guy. So I throw something out there, like yeah, I don't return that shopping cart. Fuck Bro. that shopping cart. I, there's got to be something because this is like. <laughs> I mean, I mean. I, 
so I've always been led. I've always been led the right way. I'm going the right direction. Like fired from a job, I start my first album. You know what I mean? That led me to Stranger firing me, and then producing harder. Joined Tribal Seeds, went hard with Tribal Seeds for like years, and then got fired from Tribal Seeds. You know what I mean? So it's like the other aspect of it is that I'm a crazy driven entrepreneur. And like mm. that sometimes rubs people the wrong way. Like if you're, if I'm not running the show, then, you know, it can, it can be kind of extreme, you know? And at that same time, that extremeness is the same thing that I battle within. Like I'm that human experience I was talking about. Like that shit's real. Like the ups and downs and the feeling myself with too much to the point where I want to stop everything. Like I'm going crazy here and I'm definitely having the human experience at the same time. So it's not all. Roses, this human experience, you know what I mean? Even though it seems one way, I'm telling you the highlights of it, but sure, <laughs> sure, no, I, yeah, I got it. you know, your, yeah. your flaw is that you're super, super goal oriented and you know exactly what you want. No, I got it, <laughs> <laughs> it's not such a bad flaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, we won't talk about the depression and the anxiety and the fucking mind fucks, but yeah, well, that, that know, comes with just being a parent. It. Yeah, that's just, just a human, just a human. Human, general, right? Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And I, it is important actually to to acknowledge that too, because I think too often we see just the the successes, and you know, like Jarrett was saying, like there's got to be something about you. And I think what makes you so relatable is that you have had the ups and downs, and so for people to be able to connect with that and see, you know, part of themselves in that, I think is really important. Yeah, thank you for explaining. So, That's awesome. Yeah, so you spent how long with Tribal Seeds? Um, to 2011 to 2016. Wow. Yeah, the last tour we did was um, with Sublime with Rome and uh-huh. the Dirty Heads. And oh, fun. Yeah, so that was the last tour we did in 2016. And... Um, so I got uh, I got to you know meet a lot of the um, what Sublime left behind. Like I was I was with Eric every day. It was awesome. Um, yeah, so it was really great experience. Like he's a good dude. Like he yeah, was love him. Um, yeah, he was just warm hearted and just like really caring. Really like ego zilch. Mm, Actually, that right. entire tour. Tribal seeds we were walking around. I felt like we had the massive ego and like dirty heads <laughs> and sublime with Rome. No ego whatsoever. Like uh, all the dirty heads guys, Jared, all the guys, amazing. Duddy, all of them. They're incredible. Super low ego. Like I was impressed by it. I was like, wow. And then you could feel it in Rome. You could feel it in Eric. You could feel it like, uh, it was, it was really awesome. I, I'll always remember that, like, really low ego situation. I was like, damn, these are guys are just, like, real real people just rocking out. Like, yeah. it was really refreshing, you know, and it gave me a good influence. Um, but, yeah, so I got to I got to meet uh, Troy, Mama Troy. <laughs> so that was cool. Like, I got to meet her a few times on the, on the tour. Nice. Um, yeah, she gave me the 20th anniversary uh, shirt, which I still have. Oh. Right on. Yeah, so I rocked that the other day, but um, uh, yeah, so I got, you know, that was me getting close to, uh, you know, the legacy that was left mm. behind, you know, Brad's legacy. So that was that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it was really cool. I enjoyed it, and that got me a little closer to Sublime. Um, 
Uh, yeah, some of the, the earliest memories I have. Um, the first time that I saw Sublime, I can't, and, and somebody has to fact check this stuff, but the, I went to 91X, which is our San Diego station. Yeah. 91 X uh, Christmas. I mm-hmm. forgot what they called Deck the Halls or something like that. Sublime yeah. played it one year, and I went to go see I think Goldfinger and Blink One Eighty Two. I don't know who. Oh, was there, but, wow. Um, but yeah, Sublime was there, and then, um, and I was just a young kid. We like got dropped off, and the whole thing. Like I was for sure like twelve, I think. Um, wow. <clears throat> and I wasn't into reggae yet, like at that. But so I was in. I mean, I was still evolving into what I like and everything. So it was like super fresh, you know, when you're at that age, you're like, whoa, like every mm. taking in everything. And I remember Sublime opening up early and I was like, I, they, I just saw the last couple songs or I, I don't remember if it was, I, I remember it being, uh, if it wasn't that a Christmas one, it could have been another show, but it was a show where I saw, I caught like the last two songs and I remember, wow. th- remember thinking like, dang, like, what was that? Like, that was, that was different. <laughs> that wasn't like all yeah. this punk rock stuff that's that's the different like, sound this was, yeah this, this was different sound yeah i remember thinking that and um yeah it, it stuck in my mind and then right after that i remember um like just then then like the first then i saw santeria come out i was like what are these guys and then i had to go back in the catalog backwards you know what i mean and then get like 40 sure. ounces of freedom and and the whole thing yeah but um yeah and after those years some of the most crucial uh, memories I have was, uh, we, we would get a beach house once a, for a week, um, here in Mission Bay in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we would get one once a week. That was like our vacation. So we didn't really go on too many vacations, but we did that. And it was awesome. Every, every year, my, um, my parents really loved it. So I remember just bumping sublime, like heavy on the beach <laughs> at the beach house. And I just felt like I was oh. like part of that Southern California style, you know, like, and this was a young kid. I'm trying to figure out who I am, you know? So, um, mm. it, I just remember it was like, so Sublime was definitely very influential and just like part of the culture that shaped me. You know, so. That is, of crazy. course they were. Well, Ian, yeah. every guest that comes on this show, <laughs> I ask one question to, and I'm gonna, you're not gonna be exempt. So if we just met, and we were talking music and you brought up Sublime being one of your influences. And I told you, I'm not familiar with that band. And, uh, you were going to play one song to try to catch me to say, this is, this is the essence of Sublime. What song would you play? Smoke two joints. Oh, nice. I like I it. Yeah. Gotten that answer yet. I don't think we've heard yeah. that one yet. I'm surprised. I feel like, yeah. Cause I, it's, it's just extreme, you know? And that's what Brad Lee was. He was like, a, yeah. Just say whatever the f he wants, and like if he feels this, yeah. he feels that. I feel like there's a there, sure. you got that reggae, you got the reggae vibe in it, and um yeah the there's some of the references like Bob Marley and Half Pine and mm-hmm. um yeah just just that's the culture that's the sublime that I love that's the part of Bradley that I love that kind of um you know pawn shop and that tune and i liked all the punk rock stuff too i liked it all but that was the one that really resonated with me and i feel like should be the first track to Mm. check out like check this out after this there's so much more (laughs) i I love that there's and just so you know there's no wrong answer you could have said anything yeah yeah of course yeah Great, great answer. <laughs> All right. Well, you did such a phenomenal job with Pawn Shop on the house that Bradley built. I absolutely love it. 
And you throw Thanks. in that melodica, which just, I think, gives it such a great feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really great cover. And so thank you for doing that. Oh, what, what a blessing. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I saw that they were doing it, and I kept checking the list to see if Pawn Shop was on there. And then <laughs> I didn't see it anywhere. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, that felt like a calling. to Like, I have to do this. Yeah. Uh, K-Bong came and recorded his here at the studio. Oh, and I, was thinking, I didn't realize like, Yeah, that. yeah. And we did, we did the latest, I did the latest album with him too. It's amazing. Love him. K-Bong. Such a great yeah. guy. Yeah. So, um, I was like, uh, I was dealing with law records, uh, on a couple clients that I was producing. And I was like, I think that I need to do this. Like, uh, and I just <laughs> shot it out to him and he's like, yeah, we don't have one. Do it. And I was like, how, how can that be? It's one of the best songs. And so I was, I was also telling Rome, um, which he'll probably give me shit about this. I was telling Rome on the 2016 tour, I was like, Hey, um, we got to play, we got to play pawn shop and you got to take me up, you know? And before then yeah. I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know all the licks and ever Like I learned the entire lick on the guitar and put it on the melodica and, and threw it down on that acoustic version. But I was just coming up on pawn shop and freestyling. So it kind of oh, came wow. from that. Yeah. It kind of came from me like jumping on with Rome. I felt like, um, it was just like, carrying that pawn shop torch you know and i and i really i really like um the wailing souls which is yeah. where bradley got that from right um, got like some of the idea from it um uh, from john right. shop there yeah so um and i i loved how he took a song and kind of flipped it in his own way and yeah so that 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 i used to play that song for hours and play drums to it in, hmm. in the garage yeah so that that will always um, forever be uh, in, in my heart, you know, big part. Yeah. He really did take songs and flip them. I like how you said that. It's yeah. a lot of people like, oh, you know, Sublime did a lot of covers, but I think they were, they weren't just straight covers. They were giving him a different, uh, it was like a different take on the song, a different feel yeah. and adding different things. And um, so I, anyway, I, I loved that you did that with Pawn Shop, that you really kind of gave it your own flavor and that. Uh, it came out beautifully. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to go back. I kind of wanted to do a hybrid be between. Mm. Well, for one, it had to be acoustic. So I'm a big right. drum and bass and dub guy, but I couldn't do drum and bass. <laughs> so I'm like, what am I? What am I going to do? So I brought in like some Naya Bingi drums, which is like the Rasta culture. Did you play those type drums? No, I brought in some samples that I had from. Oh. Another, it's actually they were recorded for another album, and I just brought ah. them in and sam sampled them. Yeah, so I do Beautiful. a lot of those flipping type things. Yeah, Beautiful. so I brought. I brought those in and then I actually did the whole thing like in three hours. No. Yeah. I swear it was, it was uh, wild uh, how that was the first mix. Like I always put like, um, wow. this is pawn shop number one. Like I usually like for the Ayatara album, for instance, that's the most, uh, the, a lot of work went into that album and I'm on like, mm. I'm on like whatever song 17, like 17 mm -hmm. mix or like 21, 22. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, this was pawn shop one. So yeah, I, I came, I remember exactly the day I took, I took, um, my son and his cousin and my brother-in-law, we took him to monster jam here at Petco uh -huh. park in San Diego. And then that <laughs> night he gave me the deadline of the next day. And I was like, I'm not oh, going to no. do it. And then I got back <laughs> and I was just like, Babe, I gotta go in the studio. Like, I gotta go do this tonight. <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah, do it. And I, I never, like, I always say I'm sacred with family time. Like, I, I only work mm. like nine to five type style and get out of here. And, yeah. 
Um, so she was like, yeah, go. And it was like eight or nine at night. I forget. It was like late at night. And I was like, I got to do this. And I went in and yeah, threw it down. And then that first mix was the one that, that I submitted the next day. And he was like, sounds, wow. sounds awesome. Like, yeah. So it doesn't always work out that way. But in this one, I mean, that is raw. That's just like me jumping in, doing my best I could rendition of yeah. it, you know, and a hybrid. So you hear the, like the three part harmonies too, that the Wailing Souls would bring. You know, and then, uh-huh. um, yeah, Brad's spirit is in there too with the lyrics and, yeah, uh, so yeah, beautiful. And, yeah, I'm very grateful. Great job. Have the I love that you've worked it. with, I love that you've worked with Aya Chara too. They're such a great band. They're a, a secret track on our, on our two vinyl release of the house that Bradley built, but it was great to have them be a part of it. They're a great local band. Yeah. They're doing huge things right now. They're going straight to the top. Yeah, nice. doing the next the next tour is with 311 and Iration Nation. Oh, fun! fun. Yeah, those are my boy. Those are my boys. <clears throat> well, I am super stoked to check out your playlist. I looked it up on Spotify while we were chatting. It's Ian Young produced 800 plus songs. I'm totally yeah. going to check that out. Yeah. That is really impressive. You're doing a great job yeah. and and Thank finding you. a balance with your family. I think that's a beautiful thing. They're very fortunate to have you. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Very fortunate also. Well, man, yeah, before um, we... Oh, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, yeah, if anyone wants to check my music too, the 850 songs is the songs that I produce for other people, but I also have four albums out and um, many more to come. You know, lots of singles from this last year, including Pawn Shop and um, did a did a Half Pint cover too, and I got some original music coming out um, with features like The Movement and Big mm-hmm. Mountain, Gondwana... Um, I did one with UB40. I'm trying to clear to get the rights to release. But, yeah, a lot of new music coming out. And, um, yeah, so check out my whole catalog plus the music I've produced, too. Absolutely. So where do people go to check out your music? Where Your website, um, all your socials? Y- yeah. Um, I just recently built um, ianyoung.com. It's ian-e-n-young.com. And um, I'm, on, I'm real active on Instagram. So you check me, it's with underscores E, underscore N, underscore Young. Um, shoot me a DM. I'm constantly talking with people on there, also on Facebook. And yeah, check out my Spotify or wherever you listen to music. And yeah, much more to come. And I, I really hope to play shows. So I hope to see everyone at a show soon. You know, Absolutely. It's nice. Yeah, things are opening up. So I think there'll be yeah. a lot more opportunities. But I hope you play something locally soon. I definitely would love yeah. to meet you in person and, and hear you live. That'd be really cool. Yeah, it would be such an honor, Kelly. Thank you for having me today. Oh, thank, thank you, you for doing this. Yeah, Jared, thank you. <clears throat> this was awesome. It was good for me, too. It's good to um, talk and kind of, you know, um, put it all on the plate. You see it from afar. Mm. You're like, oh, wow, life's magical. Got it. So thank <laughs> you for that. So true. So true. Well, thank you for spending this time with us. I really appreciate you taking the time from your family and your work and all that. I know you're a busy guy, but um, thank you for doing the album. Thank you for being on the show and thank you for supporting Bradley's house. We sure appreciate you, Ian. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. Very welcome. Thank you.
shop Well, it's the only way to shut down there at the pawn shop If it's not in stone, down there at the pawn shop
been sold I'm strictly made of stone Just remember that it's flesh and bone What has been sold I'm strictly sold Please remember that it's flesh and bone So I am down here at the pawn shop Down here at the pawn shop Down here at the pawn 